Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place on the web at maincf.org. Support for WERU also comes from Woodlawn Museum, Gardens, and Park, 180 acres of an estate located near downtown Ellsworth, 667-8671 or woodlawnmuseum.com. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, Maine's coast is a muse to many an artist. Some come for a visit, others to stay. Brooklyn artist Bill Irvin's journey from Scotland to Maine is the subject of a new book by Somesville writer Carl Little, who calls Irvin's paintings representational with a backbone of abstraction. So, And I'm so happy to have both of these folks in the studio with us. Bill, Irvin, thanks for coming in. Welcome. My pleasure. Great. And Carl, we should say that um, as a representative of Maine Community Foundation, which is a, um, an underwriter and sponsor, we're so grateful for your support, too. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thanks Good. for having us. Good. Well, Bill, let's um, start with you. You grew up in a, in a small uh, village um, a town in, in Scotland of Troon, and um, you looked west to see an island. That's that right. right. That's right. And now you're living in Brooklyn, Maine, and you look east to see an island. Yes, correct. I, when I look west from my hometown, I see the island of Arran and Ilza Craig, um, and when I come from here, from, from my window here, I see Tinker's Island. Um, there really isn't a great deal of difference. Uh, I think the, the islands in Scotland are a little bit more rugged uh, than they are down where I live now. Mm. And uh, you know, I really love to be by the ocean, and I find it very inspiring, and that's why most of my life I have been right on the ocean. Mm. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Um, one of the points in, in uh, Carl's book, which is called um, William Irvin, A Painter's Journey, um, one of the, the pieces says that you had art in your home. Um, it wasn't necessarily um, original art, but your parents had paintings in your home. Oh, yes. Well, you know, I f you find this in most Scottish houses. Uh, my parents had reproductions hanging on the wall. The Scots are very educated people, yeah. you know, and uh, they, love, they love writing and poetry and painting, and uh, if they can't, uh, most Scots cannot afford the real thing. But they do have reproductions. I, my father, uh, my parents had... Uh, two paintings I remember particularly, Rembrandt's 
man in armor, uh, which is a beautiful, fascinating painting, even though it's, it's in no way inspires me today to do that kind of thing. But anyhow, the other one I remember clearly was a painting by Van Gogh uh, of um, a, a landscape with uh, waving cypress trees. And uh, it, was, uh, it was in my bedroom, and I found myself able to, when I'm lying there, I could enter it. And I'd never been to France at that time, but I could feel the warm air blowing and the... Uh, and in a sense felt the way Van Gogh must have felt when he painted it. And to me, that is the, the magic of painting. Mm. It, it invites you in. It invites you in and you experience what the artist experienced. Mm. If, it's a, if it's a great piece of art, you mm -hmm. experience what the artist mm -hmm. experienced. Uh, it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful painting and it stayed in my mind. And uh, you know, those are the two paintings I think my, my, I remember most. Uh -huh. But you know, I one, later, in, I did get to see some real art, uh, original art. Uh, this small town of Trun happened to have a number of uh, millionaires living there. And, and one of them was the uh, Johnny Walker family, uh, the whiskey magnet. And uh, when I was at high school, I was so keen on my on painting and art that word got around and I was invited to come to their house to see their collection. And they had a collection of British contemporary art. Now uh, this was in what, 19, well, late 40s, 1940s. And uh, though that was the first time I actually could touch a real painting and see, and ha as the artist had touched the surface, it was fascinating. It was like a magic object mm. that, uh, at, uh, was, uh, and that was my first true experience of becoming face to face with original art. And had you been producing um, paintings or drawings up to that point? Well, I, well, I was I was at high school, mm. and uh, and. I was uh, more or less doing what I was being uh, taught to do, painting still lifes and okay. that kind of thing. But in the last year uh, of, of high school, I was allowed to go out in, into the town and into the woods and uh, paint, uh, paint while I was uh, outdoors. Mm. And uh, so I was given a lot of freedom at that point. Mm. So at some point, you decided to go to the Glasgow School of Art? Um, yes, yes. Well... You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Scots are encouraged to carry their education further. And part of that encouragement comes from the government. Mm -hmm. uh, they pay for all of the um, tuition, and they also pay for part of the living expenses. So that it was not a burden on my parents. Uh, I had a brother and sister who both went to the Glasgow University, and I chose to go to the Glasgow School of Art. And uh, so I spent four, four years there, and as you probably know the Glasgow School of Art uh, is a wonderful creation of the, uh, of the architect Rennie McIntosh, which also was in the news recently because of the big fire they had there. But when I went, uh, I spent four years there, and uh, I majored in drawing and painting. Um, I think it was 1950. When I graduated, I think it was 58, somewhere around that mm, time. Mm. Yeah. 
But at some point, you said, um, and, and I'll, I'm skipping over some of the parts, and so you'll have to read the book to get some of those parts, yeah. but, but um, at some point, you said, um, it's too confining here. Um, I, I'm not satisfied you went to London. That's right. Well, well, you know, when I, while I was at the Glasgow School of Art, uh, of course, I was surrounded by uh, budding artists, and uh, the, most of them were going into teaching. Uh, that was the general progress. You went from the Glasgow School of Art, you made, majored in something, and then you went to teach. Well, I, I, wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to do that. And I, I made friends with some of the, uh, what we could say, serious painters that lived in Glasgow. Mm. And at that time, paintings very rarely sold, almost never sold. There were very few galleries. And so young painters who were serious painters living in Glasgow uh, had to wink them. And I must say, uh, they they starved. And I remember going to this painter's house to visit him, and he was lying in bed, and he hadn't eaten for about three days. And I went and got fish and chips and fed him, and he got better. And as a matter of fact, he recovered and later became became an art critic. And uh, <laughs> for a newspaper. So, <laughs> so, well, I hope he reviewed you well. <laughs> well, well. Uh, by that time, I had left. <laughs> but it was a, it, but it was very, very difficult, uh, near, near to impossible for an artist to make a living mm-hmm. at that time in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So the we, my, uh, I had a very good friend at that time who grew up with me and became an, uh, was also an artist, and we graduated together, and together we went to London with the intention of making our name there. <laughs> when we got you weren't the only one. So. No, I wasn't the only one, and when, I, and when we got to London, we found it wasn't all that different from Glasgow in the sense that there were, weren't a lot of galleries, and the galleries that were there showed the major artists. It was difficult to to uh, to make a living, I I did get some shows in in London and at good galleries, uh, but as as I say, paintings really sold. Mm. So it you know uh, you know when you're in your twenties, you know uh, starving isn't so bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. You could still have a good life, and I did, and I had a great time for that period in London. Mm. And, and so, at some point, um, you started to look um, to the to the um, west, and um, somehow you connected with a, a property in Skowhegan, Maine. Tell yes, us about that. Yes, I did that. actually. Well, <laughs> well, while I was living uh, in London, uh, I went to an exhibition of, of American abstract painting at the Tate Gallery, mm. and there was a, a woman, a young woman, looking at a Jackson Pollock. I remember, and she was attractive, and I thought I'd. Yeah, I was very shy in those days, but anyhow, I managed to get the courage up and go over and together look at the park. And we got to talking, and uh, you know, in those days, there were a lot of movies out. I uh, come out like American Paris, when you had young American women coming over and having some great romance, and you know, <laughs> if you thought. Uh, I thought, well, maybe she's an American heiress, and she thought that maybe I was a great artist. <laughs> but anyhow, we got together, and and uh, she wasn't an heiress, but she was lovely, and we got married. Mm. And uh, we had a little. We lived in a little what's it's called a bed sitter in London. You know, it was about you know, a tiny room uh, and a tiny bedroom. 
and uh, we used to get newspapers sent from the States. And a newspaper came with an ad for a property in Maine, in Skowhegan, uh, with um, 100 acres and a farm. And that sounded incredible. I mean, for $4,000. And uh, so we, we just, just within about a week, we packed everything up and came across. And her parents actually were living in Florida, so there was a bit of a safety net there. Mm -hmm, so, but anyway, we came up to Maine, went to hire a car, uh, drove to Skowhegan, and it was April, and like <laughs> it, it was snow on the ground, and it was really quite the, the weather was quite miserable, and uh, the the farm was looked so dilapidated and run down, and f so we just we didn't even go inside. We just stayed in the car and headed for the coast, mm. and somehow or other we ended up uh, at Tom Layton's Point uh, near near um, uh, Millbridge. And we went into a, 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 a grocery store there and asked if there was the, we, uh, where we could find a place to stay. And they put us in touch with someone who had an A-frame on Tom Layton's Point. <laughs> and uh, it was dark by this time, by the time we got there, so we checked into the A-frame. And in the morning, uh, I woke up to glorious sunshine and I looked out and I saw that beautiful blue ocean out there with lobster boats going back and forward and gulls crying. And it was so beautiful and magical, I thought, I'm never going to leave. Mm. And I haven't. That's great. <laughs> I'm still here. We're so glad that Skowhegan didn't hold that kind of promise for you. We're, <laughs> we're talking with uh, painter Bill Irvin and uh, Carl Little, a writer um, based in Soamsville, Maine. And uh, Carl has uh, recently uh, written a book um, containing a lot of Bill's paintings. It's called A Painter's Journey and published by Marshall Wilkes in, uh, in Ellsworth, Maine. Um, uh, we'll continue with Bill for uh, a moment. Um, the sea, as you as just mentioned... Um, continues to really inspire you. Um, yes. What uh, What is it about the sea, the ocean? Is it partly because you grew up um, there? Um, well, a lot of that, a, a lot has to do with that. When I grew up, because when you're young, your senses tend to be uh, more alive in a way, you know. Uh, I found when I grew up, everything fascinated me to a point that uh, I was always sort of... Um, Inspired, but didn't have the means to uh, to to paint it. Mm. I didn't have the skill, mm. but I had the imp the impulse. Mm. I, I it was an exciting and beautiful place to grow up. Uh, as apart from the ocean uh, in front of me, behind me there was there were green hills with uh, dotted with white farms and black faced sheep. So uh, I I think that my my inspiration really was always there, you know, and, and I was so excited by being there at that time, and that's really more or less has been 
the, my way through through my life. I am still very excited and very aware of the beauty and the magnificence of everything around me. Mm. And and so the sea, I mean, the sea is just seems to because it's of, of its majesty and its presence. It um, it always amazes me. Mm. So we should be looking 360 degrees, not just out at the ocean. No, but yes. What's behind us? Oh, absolutely. That's great. Yes. And and it seems like one of the things that you kept from childhood was that feeling of being fully alive. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I mean, I am even now in awe yes. of where I am at this time and place. Right. Yes. Right. So as I look at your paintings, um, White Houses, um, certainly um, they're, they're representative of Maine, but they're also representative of Scotland. That's right. Yes. That's right, actually. Uh, when That time when I first came to, uh, to Washington County, I remember going to Jones, Jonesport and... Uh, I, w- I loved the, the little white houses that I saw there because they were not architecturally built. They don't have that de- aesthetic detail. They are simple, honest buildings. And I loved that. And I, I, I loved the honesty of it. And, and it was basically, they were square, uh, square shaped. And they grew, seemed, some of them grew bulges on one side when they needed a when they needed a shed or something. It was like an organic thing, you know, mm-hmm. the building. They grew, mm-hmm. you know, but they never lost their honesty. Mm-hmm. And and so when I painted them, I I, uh, I uh, like to include the people who inhabit them so they have a total a total life, right? not and, just a house. And some of those are fishermen and some of those are women. Some, some are. So you've got this sense of, of people really living in those places. They're not just out on the landscape. These no, are no, places there, where people there are live. people living yes. and living with them and I, I try to give that sense of their life yes and just like the van gogh i entered i would like to feel that people could enter into their lives yes yes well let me ask carl a few questions about um his connection with you bill um you evidently um uh, became aware partly because you were asked to write a, a, a review of bill's solo show back in 2000 is that right that's right um i actually had probably had seen bill's work at the Leighton gallery prior to that and loved it site right there mm. and then when the show came up at the university of maine museum of art which then was on the umaine campus in carnegie hall the old carnegie hall i said geez this is great i really you know i, I, I want to get up there and see it and i walked into the room and it was just like sort of this wonderful familiar wonderful territory mm. uh, that goes back to my uncle bill uh william keenbush and his heroes john Marin and marston hartley and arthur dove and and Ryder, uh, Albert Pinkham Ryder, uh, I saw all of this in Bill's work right away, and uh, but but done in a new and fresh way. And, and um, I, you know, you mentioned um, uh, that I talked about his backbone, the backbone of abstraction in Bill's work, and I think you you need to know that he started off really as an abstract painter. Uh, your time in London, Bill, you were That's really right. working almost entirely in abstraction. And I think that that carries over. Uh, there, are some, there are some paintings in the book. For example, there's an autumn painting that is almost entirely abstract, uh, and yet it's just sort of a, the essence of autumn. Uh, yeah, so, well, that's what I, I try to, I, I hope not to lose. I, I want to find the right balance between abstraction and representation so that uh, you do not lose the subject. 
uh, but at the same time, the subject is strengthened with the language of, of abstraction. Mm. I think that's... It seems to me also that, um, again, coming from a non-painter, um, there's a kind of um, accessibility to your paintings, uh, that invitation into the painting um, that is not formal. It's, it's an invitation in. Yes, well, I, I thank you. I, I, that is what I, I hope uh, I, I can do. I hope that there is some uh, communication uh, when I do a painting, and that is the uh, the joy. The, the joy of selling a painting is, to me, is not the money. It's kind of nice, but it's not the thing. It's the fact that someone will, someone actually will pay cash to for my paintings, and I think that's wonderful because mm. they love it. They mm -hmm. obviously love it, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, and they see what they feel perhaps what I felt when I painted it. That's the appreciation I really, uh, uh, I really love uh, is is uh, someone who, someone who will. Uh, hang the work, my work on the wall, mm. and uh, and you know that's how it goes. Mm. Carl, um, help us um, again for folks who are listening who might not be familiar with some of the uh, painters that you mentioned. Help us kind of put Bill's work in a context, if you could. Right. Well, these were the, the, the several of the painters I mentioned, in, in particular uh, Keen Bush, John Marin, and uh, Marston Hartley, all worked on the on the Maine coast uh, during their lifetimes, and they. They came here and, like Bill, just fell in love with the place. Uh, I mean, Marin started off in Small Point. He moved to Stonington, and then he ended up at, at Cape Split, uh, kind of moving further and further down east. Mm. Uh, Hartley, of course, was originally from, from the area, uh, um, born in Lewiston, but uh, uh, spent his last years in Korea, uh, uh, that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful town mm. uh, uh, northeast of uh, Ellsworth. Uh, and they all looked at the landscape uh, as a as a vehicle for expressing emotion, uh, for expressing a sense of place, uh, but always sort of, as Bill says so well, the, the mixing that representational with the abstraction uh, it, it, uh, was was is the key to their work. Uh, so you 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 see the sailboat or the schooner in the painting, but the surroundings may be. Uh, something you've never seen before, mm. or it may resemble something. Uh, in, 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 from, from my standpoint, uh, uh, some of my favorite paintings of Bill's are the ones with the cloud shapes that look like sometimes look like sculpture mm. hanging over an island, or or swallowing a boat, or uh, uh, moving up into the sky. They're they're very dramatic, uh, almost romantic in a way. I was thinking the other day, um, but again, you can you, those harken back to. Mark Rothko, uh, color field painting. Uh, there's this wonderful that that's that backbone backbone that I'm talking mm. about. Mm. So that notion that um, um, if Bill's painting or another painting is is somehow romantic or it has things that aren't um, actually true, doesn't that invite the viewer to go out into his own or her own landscape and see the same thing? Yes, exactly. Yes. That's what a painting, I hope, does. Yes. You know, I'm, uh, uh, Carl was just talking about my clouds there, and I'm, I have to say that sometimes I paint a cloud that I often see after I've painted it. Uh, hmm. There, I, uh, In this show at the moment at the Courthouse Gallery, I have a painting called The Long Cloud, which is uh, stretched out across Tinker Island and goes off at an odd angle. And uh, some people might think it's... Uh, invented but uh, I painted it about four months ago and just the other day my wife Marjorie said to me Bill come to the window look out <laughs> and I looked out and 
that was my my cloud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. That's so great. that happens sometimes. It's very hard to uh, one up nature. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Carl, would you like to take a couple of paintings from from Bill's book, uh, your book, Bill's book, um, and and talk a little bit about them, what what you're seeing, and and then maybe we could get some comments from Bill um, on the background of that. Yeah, I, I mean, one one body of work that's 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 uh, maybe within the last ten years, Bill has been working on these incredible still lifes that are also seascapes, mm. uh, and there are a number of them in the book. Um, to me, they're almost like portraits. Uh, these are the uh, tables. These are these the, wonderful tabletop. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're still ice, but they're but they're. He uses the tabletop as sort of a frame within a frame, and then right. beyond that tabletop is the is the landscape. And a number of them have these blue gloves, which are the fishermen's gloves that have I, have come up on the shore near his home in Brooklyn, and they and they're kind of a fill in for the person himself. And so there's one I think that's called a fisherman's meal. Which is so to me so poignant. Uh, it, it, it is those gloves and then a, an assortment of objects. And and Bill has described this sort of magic moment of putting these things together, organizing them. Uh, whether it's you know uh, the leftovers of a meal or tar- tarot cards, tarot cards, or uh, uh, the Titanic, or, or uh, the Ellsworth American, uh, you know, kind of crumpled up with a with with a, with a lobster on it. Um, and they're again, they're 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 welcoming you to to the table, uh, but I also think that they're 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 paying homage to the to the fishermen and the, and to, and to the people who who sit at those tables, who work at those tables. So, Bill, when you um, create, when you set the table, mm-hmm. um, you're finding these things on, along the shore, and you're kind of assembling them in something that means something to you, and you hope for for your viewers. Yeah, so, well, that, that's correct, Ashley. Um, Every morning, I walk my dog Tam, uh, a, a Shetland sheepdog, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, Tam is short for Tam O'Shanter, uh, a character in one of Robert Burns's poems. Uh, anyhow, uh, we walk together along the shore, and I pick up things all the time because uh, I, I love, you know, particularly. Uh, Carl mentioned fishermen's gloves. There are always so many fishermen's gloves washed ashore. I don't know how. Or, or we hope why. That, we hope the fishermen just lost the glove over shore. Well, I, yeah, exactly, exactly. You no, know, they look like hands, but mm. fortunately they're not. Uh, but the gloves I use that Carl talked about are generally the blue ones. There are all kinds of colors of red and yellow and green, but I use the blue gloves because they do relate to the ocean more. Uh, and when you're doing, you know, I mean, when you're arranging the colors with the blue background of the ocean, uh, it, it's it's handy to bring some of that blue onto the table. Mm. And so I, I use generally the blue gloves. Mm-hmm. I've tried yellow and, and green, but I, they don't <laughs> seem to work as well. <laughs> well it's, almost, yes, go ahead. it's almost like the blue gloves are the sea in a way. Yes. Right. Yes. right. Yes. But I was also going to say that some of Bill's paintings just make you smile when you look at them. And it might be the nude with the white boots sitting outside the White House, <laughs> yeah. or it could be a, a fisherman walking along the shore carrying the boat over his head, and, and, it, and he's sort of almost like carrying a, a great hat or something. Or an umbrella. Or an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, I have to be careful here because uh, if you read Richard Russo's 
uh, forward to the book, uh, the wonderful Pulitzer Prize winning author uh, who owns a number of Bill's work. He talks about the trouble he got into by using the word whimsical uh, in connection with some of Bill's work. And I, I, I wouldn't use that word. I would use, I mean, there's a sort of a sense of fancy, fancifulness uh, maybe, but but also just this wonderful joie de vivre uh, yeah, sense jo- of... Jo- joyful is probably... Joyful. Joyful, joyful. that word than whimsy. Whimsical yeah. does not... Uh, still bothers me, but, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though I'm used to it. But uh, no, I think I think joyful would be fine. Yeah, uh, you know, and those little nudes uh, that I paint, we're looking out of doorways, or you know, there's one called the last swim where she's just holding a, a towel. Uh, what I'm trying, I mean, with my house paintings and with people that live in, I try to create. I'm trying to capture. Uh, a harmony, a simplicity, a beauty, an innocence, if you like, mm. you know. And so the, the nudes, they are, they're not erotic. They're really, they're really part of the innocence of the painting. Mm. One of the one of the paintings that, when I was a, uh, a very young man, or ch- uh, that impressed me greatly was I saw a painting by Giotto of uh, Saint Francis feeding the birds, mm. and uh, there was such a lovely sense of harmony and peacefulness in that painting and so uh, I try to capture that not I, I try to trans, translate that from myself not capture but translate it from myself onto my work so I, I often in many of my paintings I do use uh, seagulls and birds because they too uh, are part of that hopefully that sense of innocence and joy that uh, really I would love to, I, I want people to feel for my paintings. Mm. And sheep. And truth. And sheep. And sheep. Sheep. Oh, yes. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I did a lot of sheep when I, when I, when I was closer to my, my uh, Scottish paintings. Mm. I, and I still do, do mm. some mm. because I do travel back and forth to Scotland. And, uh, and sheep do have that lovely innocence yes. you know that that birds do right um before we um ask carl a little bit more about the the research um that went into um the book i'll just remind listeners they're listening to talk of the towns here on weru we're having a conversation um, with bill urban and carl little um carl is the uh, uh author of the book um, of about Bill and his paintings. Um, it's called A Painter's Journey and published by Marshall Wilkes. But we invite you and your phone calls um, this, this morning. Uh, give us a call if you're interested in asking uh, Bill or Carl a question or perhaps commenting. Um, perhaps you've seen uh, Bill's work or Carl's books and, and uh, have a comment to make. Uh, so please give us a call, one 866 Six two five nine three seven eight, or locally four six nine zero five zero zero. That's one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Carl, tell us a little bit about um, how you came to write this book and and the publisher, which is a relatively new publisher and related to the Courthouse Gallery. Yes, this is actually the second book that I've done with Courthouse Gallery Fine Art. Um, the first one was about Francis Hamabi, who's a wonderful yeah. Blue Hill artist, uh, whom Bill knew. Uh, back in the day. Um, whenever I jump into one of these books, there are a few things that I do right away. And one is to research the writings about a particular artist. And and I did want to do a shout out here to a number of local writers, Donna Gold and uh, Kim Ridley 
and Susan Shetterly, mm. who have all written wonderful pieces about Bill's work, and I draw on those and, and quote them and cite them in, in, in the text. Uh, the other thing I like to do is to visit the artist, um, and that, I think, is the greatest perk of, of what I do as a writer, uh, going into the studio and being able to spend some time uh, among the paintings and, and talking you know, closely with the artist. And uh, so I had a wonderful studio visit with Bill as part of the, 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 the putting this book together. Uh, we spent the better part of a morning um, uh, talking, and his studio is, 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 is quite small, but has a lot of light uh, sort of just behind his house in Brooklyn. And he has all of these wonderful quahog shells that he uses uh, f- to hold his paint. And they're all over the place. And there's a wonderful photo in the book that Bill himself took of just a whole mess of them. A raft. Uh, yeah, a raft. Of, these, of, these, of these shells. So to get to know the artist that way um, and then to look at the work, obviously, that's the key. Um, and then in this case, to to learn more about Bill's life. I didn't know a lot about, for example, his London days, uh, which, w- which was re- really revealing. I mean, he was palling around with a lot of well-known people and part of the crowd and uh, sort of in, in that whole excitement of, of young artists uh, trying to find their way in a big city. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, Bill, the, the studio. You, you're relatively new in Brooklyn. Before that, uh, you had a, a smaller studio or, a, or a, a studio that wasn't purposely made as a studio. Well, no, well, I was living in Blue Hill most most of the time here. Uh, I've only been in Brooklyn for about five years. Mm. Uh, and my studio in in uh, Blue Hill uh, was at the old wood woodshed, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't in great condition, but it was it was enough to to work in there. And uh, but then five about five years ago, we sold the house in Blue Hill and went to Brooklyn, uh, where we. Ha- uh, for over 30 years, I had a, a, an old um, camp uh, and right on the water, actually. You know, I could, if I wanted to, I could have stood on the, my deck and fished, except there were <laughs> never any fish in Blue Hill Bay. There still isn't. You know, a few mackerel, maybe, but that's about it. But anyhow, my studio that I had built away from the house slightly so that if I ever wanted to escape, I would just go into my studio mm. and uh, well I go into my studio every day anyhow you know but if someone was coming I didn't want to see I just go into my <laughs> studio <laughs> it was very very handy <laughs> so what else would you tell us Carl about the, the, the research um, I understand that um, Bill actually did a tape recording of part of his life that you were able to then hear he did uh, I drew very heavily on that he was on uh, a, a trip to Hong Kong and the Philippines and he took along a small tape recorder and uh, he would say, Carl, here's the next <laughs> section, and, and would, would talk about his life and, uh-huh. and the evolution of his work. Uh, and that was extremely helpful. Mm. And then I would also recommend people uh, go to the Courthouse Gallery Fine Art website to see a video. There's a re- recording of a video of, of a gallery talk that Bill gave last year that's just wonderful yeah. and uh, a, a lot of wonderful things. Um, I did want to mention that, you know, there's, 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 there's things that don't make it into books also. Just like yeah. um, we were talking about Bob Dylan's, all of his songs don't end up on the album. Right, right? exactly. So here we go. And I would invite Bill to tell the story of, uh, of meeting up with a lobster on the shore one day. Oh. Uh, because I, 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 I listened to it and I loved it. It didn't work in the book, but... Uh, well, uh, it, it, it was just, uh, I think it was... Uh, Close to uh, 
late fall, I was walking my dog uh, along the beach, and uh, as I always do, I look down and t to see what I can pick up, and I found there was a lobster walking alongside, <laughs> right at my feet, keeping up with the dog and I. And, of course, I grabbed it before the dog saw it. He hadn't seen it. And I'm sorry to say for the lobster, I had it for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't make it into your paintings, at least in the in the. No, I didn't keep it. I right. didn't keep. I didn't keep to. I didn't keep it to paint it. No. <laughs> yeah, but but the lobster fed the painting at some point. <laughs> yes, right. at some point. Yes, it was. Uh, it was wonderful, but mm -hmm. it's never happened since. Right. So, um, Carl, you've um, had the opportunity to to um, kind of. Put the book together. Um, mm -hmm. You've seen uh, Bill's work. Uh, how do you um, kind of talk about um, people's reaction? Um, you said that um, there's some early critics that have, have written about Bill. Tell us a little bit about that. The yeah, so I, I'm also looking at that too. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Bill's, you know, been reviewed in Art News and and uh, Phil Isaacson, the late Phil Isaacson, who used to be the the uh, main art critic for the main Sunday Telegram. Uh, wrote about Bill's work, and um, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's important uh, to consider uh, how people view the work, um, uh, and I certainly look at that. But um, I'm 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 trying to come at it as you know from a very fresh perspective, sure. and, and um, I I think it, uh, you know that I met I mentioned that the, there's a wonderful catalog for Bill's current show with a wonderful essay by Dan Caney, who's a critic for the Portland Press Herald. And the work in the show is so fresh and so new. I mean, Bill is obviously at the top of his powers as a painter. Uh, but, you know, when you were talking about, um, Bill, about the simplicity you seek in the, in the house paintings, I think there's one in the show of, of a woman putting out, uh, working on a clothesline. And, it, it, and I, I love that image. I, I, uh, it, it's one of those uh, quintessential iconic images of Maine. Uh, when Costi Roahoma, the wonderful Finnish-born photographer, was asked to do a photo essay for Life magazine about Maine, they used a photograph of a clothesline on the cover of Life magazine. And it's just – I've always loved clotheslines, and I think that, that you've captured so well there that simple activity, the beauty of it, the, the freshness, the – the line outside the house that's connected to the house, and I, I, for for me, well, thank that you. thank you, Carl. I, I I've actually done several uh, now, because, uh, trying to one is one is always trying to improve or get down closer to the uh, the the essential mm. of a painting. So if I do two or three of the same subject, that is not unusual because I want to try to refine it a bit more. So I have done several, but one of the things, uh, one of the ones I did, actually, I wanted to to, for, to, to feel the wind blowing, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, and you with the clothesline, you can do that, you know, and there's one, the one I like is actually is the one where there's a storm coming, where the sky is darkening, and the woman's hurrying to bring in the clothes. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, you know and there are gulls wheeling around and that sort of thing, uh, trying to capture that moment uh, of a person of a person's life, a simple moment, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so what, what's in the in the show that isn't represented in the book? Is there something that's that's that you feel is new or or kind of at the edge of of your work now that's that's yes, not, not represented? In the show? Yeah. Well, as I said, um, you know, I, uh, I haven't 
what I want to do, of course, isn't done yet. You know, <laughs> uh, what I I think that if I ever really what I really want to do is get it down so simple that it's a single line and then and it holds the power that I'm trying to achieve. Mm. You know, I haven't got there yet and probably never will, but I'm working towards it. Mm. It's part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four six nine zero five zero zero or one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight if you'd like to um, have be part of our conversation with Bill Irvin and Carl Little talking about uh, uh, Bill's paintings. Um, the uh, the uh, the role of of a gallery is something again I I don't know that much about as yeah. a non artist. Tell us a little bit about um, Bill's relationship with the Layton Gallery, and you could get him to comment as well. But yeah, Layton Gallery and yeah, leading well, to the well, courthouse gallery. Well, Judith Layton was a pillar of the Down East art community. In fact, I mean, in some ways, she created it. Mm. There, there wasn't a whole lot going on in Blue Hill before she arrived. Mm. Uh, as far as a gallery scene goes, and it was a place to go to uh, for for a variety of artists. Uh, it, I, I never went in there without being surprised by something. It, it, it was that kind of a place. Uh, she passed away a couple of years ago, and, and Bill subsequently has moved to the Courthouse Gallery of Fine Art. Um, and uh, Karen Wilkes and her husband Michael have done uh, a wonderful job there. Uh, I've been involved with the gallery off and on over the years, uh, from their first Ellsworth show to through through all kinds of, of, of great exhibitions. And... Um, you know, you develop this relationship, I think, between the artist and the and the gallery that's very close, and there's a, there's a, a kind of a loyalty there, and a and a, and a, a sort of a, a a simpatico relationship that that, that emerges over time. And uh, Karen, I think, saw in Bill's work something very special and worthy of of more than a catalog, and and worthy more of uh, of, of simply a display, uh, but really, a, a, you know, a, a life's work. Mm. that needed to be highlighted. Mm. And so uh, she's a designer by trade. Uh, she has great graphic skills. And uh, with uh, Jeff Dreyer, who, who helped with the book, who did some of the photography, uh, put this uh, put this book together. And uh, Bill said the other night uh, that Jeff managed to rescue some of the early photographs uh, that yeah. were in kind of rough condition and really bring them out and sharpen mm. them up. And mm. uh, so it, 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 it's a real team effort. And what's it like, Bill, to, to uh, see something that, that reflects your life? Well, it's, uh, it's strange. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because I have a, a, a friend of mine who was my, um, my good painter friend uh, I grew up with. Yes. He, he died a couple of years ago. Uh, he became one of Britain's best-known artists, William Crozier. And uh, he died a couple of years ago. And I, I keep in touch with his wife. And she, when I mentioned I was getting this book published, um, she said, oh, well, if, if I can be of any help. And I said, so you can. Be. Mm-hmm. Are there any photographs that Bill might have of, of me? So, so she sent me uh, a bunch of photographs that I'd never seen before. I didn't even know existed. And I think three of them are, are in the book. Uh, that one of me uh, standing painting at an easel, I had never seen that before uh, when I was at high school. And, uh, the, uh, and the first one in the book was when I was uh, seven years old and I'm wearing a kilt. Uh, but I'm kneeling down, so it's hard to see the kilt. But that was a tiny photograph so badly scratched uh, that uh, Jeff, Darum, Darum, uh, I never know how to pronounce Dreher. it. Dare. Dare. Jeff Dare rescued it, took out the scratches, um, 
I don't know how he did it, but it, <laughs> it, 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 it lo- looks like it's uh, just been taken. You know? mm. And uh, so that's... You know, that team, the the the, the, the Carl and uh, Jeff and everybody, really worked together, and I think produced a beautiful book. Mm. And, mm. I, and I might mention two other people. Uh, one is uh, Jeffrey Beckton, who's a photographer from Deer Isle, who provided the portrait of Bill that serves as the frontispiece. And mm. I, I just love that photo. It's Bill in his studio, and he uh, Jeff works in uh, Jeffrey works in uh, digital montage, and so it it seems like the ocean has actually come into the studio mm. at, at Bill's feet. Um, and then the other person who often doesn't get credit in these things is Jane Crozen, who's a a wonderful um, uh, copy editor uh, who looks over the book, you know, before it goes over to China to be printed, and finds all of those missing commas and out mm. of place you know, grammatical things. And uh, actually, uh, Bill's wife, Marge, also helped with that, too. Uh, she's a teacher of English, so she should be oh, doing yes. this. Oh, yes. Uh, she's, she's really good at that. And she, she helped a lot, uh, not just with the grammar in the book, but helping to sort out paintings and discussing things with me. Uh, and uh, in many ways... Uh, augmenting my memory because she knew where certain paintings were located that I didn't know. And so she was extremely helpful, and uh, I owe her a great debt. Great. Um, I'll list our phone numbers one more time, 1-866-625-9378 or 469-0500 if you'd like to be part of our conversation with Bill Irvin and Carl um, Little. Um, the uh, <clears throat> notion of, oh, we do have a phone call? Well, let's take that phone call now. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, um, my name's Daniel, and I have a question about immortality and art. Um, I have a couple of books written, and I'm thrilled that somebody might be reading them in the future, and that, you know, when I die, that's just the end of me. And I'm wondering what you guys, you know, you're painting, what will it, Oh, great question. I'll repeat it because I think we were having a hard time, but thanks so much for that question. The question is, what about um, the the notion of painting and a sense of immortality? What what would you imagine someone looking at your painting 100, 200 years to be finding in that? Well, you know, I mean, that's what one hopes for as an artist, that your painting will live longer, much longer than you do. Mm. Uh, and uh, as we know, we go to, that's what museums are for. We go there because we're looking at paintings which uh, may be 500 years old, but they're just as fresh as if the artist had, had came out of the studio. Uh, that is the wonder and the beauty of art, uh, that they will last uh, that they will last forever, and uh, and hopefully, an artist hopes that he has achieved that level. Uh, not always, uh, not as not always the case. Mm-hmm. But if a painting is really good, it'll live it'll live its own life separate from you. You think of the cave paintings and the the horses or the handprints on those cave or paintings, bison, yeah. bison, and um, those artists had no sense that their work was going to be seen by people you know, thousands of years later, no, but no, they, no. they exist, and they, they exist. help us understand um, that, that era, that, that life. Of course, yes, right, yes. right, they understand that era. 
Great, yeah. great question. Yeah. I hope there may be some others. 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. Well, uh, Carl, are there qu- questions that you didn't ask uh, Bill in, in your process that you'd like to ask him now? <laughs> wow, that's... What are the 49 steps? No, 39 <laughs> steps. What are the 39 steps? No, uh, not really. But I did want to mention another uh, aspect um, of Bill's life that I've mentioned when I introduced Bill the other night at the at the gallery for the launching uh, talked about community uh, because working at the Maine Community Foundation, I look at a lot yes. of things through the lens of community now, including art um, in many ways. I mean, when we talk about the Leighton Gallery, for example, there's a community that builds up around a place like that. It's collectors. It's people who just want to look at art, look at good, good, interesting, different art. Uh, but it's also an economic driver. It, it helps build a, you know, the tax base in, in your local town and that right. kind of thing. Uh, but mm-hmm. when I talk about Bill, I, I talk about the, you know, the community of his family early on in Troon, the, 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 the community of the Glasgow School of Art. Again, the faculty, the, the one teacher who's telling you you can't have uh, you can't have your nude have six fingers, um, that kind of thing, uh, that kind of feedback. Um, and then this this wonderful community of Blue Hill and, and, and Brooklyn that have really embraced Bill over the years and really supported him in, in many ways, uh, and how important that is and, and how it all works towards the greater good, I mm. guess. Uh, mm. Um, so, Bill, some comments about that notion of community, how community has either well, supported you or influenced you in some way? Well, you know... <clears throat> Generally speaking, an artist's life is a very lonely life. Mm-hmm. You know, you spend most of your time in your studio, and you, it has to be that way. You, you need that isolation. And uh, so when you get out of your studio and into the world, uh, it's very important to have that companionship and camaraderie that is provided by friends and you know, and just in galleries, and you know, you become part of the community, which is terribly important for a, for an artist. Because I say, other than that, he is very much a hermit. Hmm. Yes. You know? And one yes. of the great things about the opening the other night were, were all of the people that came up to where Bill and I were signing the books and saying, "Bill, I own one of your paintings," or yeah. you know, or they're old friends, and 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 actually, uh, Bill signed some of the books uh, old. A-U-L-D, <laughs> friends, <laughs> uh, which I liked. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yes, I, I, I got a, 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 a couple of years ago, I got a call on the radio, and it was a, a man from, um, f- from uh, Philadelphia, I believe it was, and he said, gave me his name and said, I bought one of your paintings 40 years ago in Florida, and... I have been wondering ever since whatever happened to you. And my, my wife, uh, my new wife, my late wife died. My new wife, who was a wizard with a computer, <laughs> tracked you down and, I, and got your phone. And I can't, he said, I can't believe I got back in touch with you. Mm. You know, f- mm. 40 years had passed. Yes. And he said how much he, he loved the painting and he kept looking at it and wondered where I was and what I was doing. And that's the kind of warmth that you can get from uh, people who, who enjoy your work. Yes. Yes. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You also bought several more. Well, there you go. That's, that's very important. That's very good. Um, the, uh, I can't remember where I was going to go with this. Um, the, uh, 
the, the world of art and artists seems removed, you mentioned, um, from mm-hmm. everyday life, and yet you're representing everyday life. I mean, That's so you, right. have to, you have to be a hermit to kind of go into that space where you then are creating everyday life. You do, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, you mm-hmm. can't. You, 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 can. you can't paint. I, I, I cannot paint with a crowd of people. Right. You know, uh, I avoid situations like that. And I, in fact, I, f- for a long time, I, and still, I don't allow even my wife Marjorie to come into the studio while I'm painting. You know, uh, she, she knocks at the door, and I. <laughs> right. So, uh, so that kind of isolation, I find, I find, I don't even have music playing. I have friends who love to listen to music while they're painting. I like total silence, mm. and uh, just the way it is, so mm-hmm. what I'm used to and mm-hmm. how I work. So, in your studio, it's by the water. Are other sounds coming in? Yes, yeah, so, not well, artificial. So, yeah, so, so sound of gulls and the sound right. of when when the tides in, you can hear the waves mm-hmm. crashing on the shore, mm-hmm. and uh, it, I love that. Yes. I mean, that, that that's my music when <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> that's right. That's and you right. have to have a roll of kitchen toweling in the studio too. Yeah, I. I <laughs> so that goes to technique. Um, tell us a little bit about that. The well, you know, I it, it's 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 a false it's a false notion that I don't use brushes. I do use brushes, but generally speaking. I uh, use paper towels. Uh, I use Scott paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> Not because of the name, because oh, okay. uh, they are the cheapest, but because of the cheapest, they don't absorb the paint uh, and break up the way expensive towels do. They kind of hold the shape. But what I, what, the reason I use paper towels, and I use them like a brush, I dip them into paint and flick on the paint. The reason I do that is because I can put on one layer and then add a second layer without smudge, smudging the, the bottom layer. It allows me to paint a painting at, at one sitting, one go, uh, without without messing up the painting. And I got used to it, so I sort of developed it uh, over the years. You have to hold the paper towel a certain way. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy, but when it comes to detail and, and certain other things, I do use brushes. But uh, I... I think um, sometimes trade winds will run out of Scott paper towels. <laughs> You're worried. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a busy time. But I would recommend, apropos that, that when you go to see Bill's work on the wall at the Courthouse Gallery, uh, look at the textures that he creates with the brush, with the towels. Uh, it, it has this, this beautiful, almost like an ancient wall sometimes, uh, this quality of, 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 of sort of resonant color coming through. It's, well, it's, it's really bit, quite... It's what you mentioned, color field painting, you know, broad expanses of color that uh, that resonate, you know, uh, colors under colors. But that is part of the uh, part of the uh, idea of, of color field paintings where where a single expanse of color will affect your senses uh, uh, predominantly over uh, rather than a, a, a mass of different colors, a single color can have a, a direct and more a more direct sensual impact on mm. on you. Mm. And, and it reminds me of the uh, uh, of going to the Rothko retrospective at the Guggenheim years and years ago, and I had seen his work in reproduction and never seen it in in real life really. And by the bottom, by the time you know it's a circular thing, and by the time I got to the end of the show, I was practically weeping. I mean, the the, the work was so beautiful. I mean, mm. you know. And it's the kind of thing where people say, well, I could do that really easily. You couldn't. Believe me, you couldn't. Uh, and, and again, it's this emotional thing. There's a kind of a vibrancy in the color and the, 
and then the uh, sort of like mood swings on a canvas, uh, mm-hmm. uh, really remarkable. And mm-hmm. I, I, I find that in, in Bill's work, too. Mm-hmm. Set. Thank you. Yeah. Are there other paintings, Carl, that you'd like to kind of um, highlight or kind of bring to the surface? Well, it's too bad we aren't television or video <laughs> so that we could actually look at those. But we encourage you to go to the Courthouse Gallery and, and uh, to uh, look at uh, Carl's book as well. But are there other paintings that are evocative for you? Well, I was going to mention, uh, we've talked a lot about Maine, but Bill has also painted a lot in, 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 in Europe uh, in, on the coast of France, uh, back in his home country of Scotland. And there are a number of wonderful paintings in the book that show these villages with their with their their tiled roofs and and these wonderful uh, breakwaters and uh, and the fishermen coming in and the small church on the hill and uh, uh, I, I, they're they're again very different um, but so so wonderfully uh, evocative of a of, of place. Mm. Um, you have um, a, a, a pair of paintings, one fisherman leaving the harbor going out to sea yeah, and then one coming back. And coming back again. And I've yeah. interviewed fishermen on the radio show, and that sense of going out is a yes. r- remarkable feeling. Um, to, yeah, both I, to see it, to see it um, yeah. day. And, and so people will say, I know that boat, I know that fisherman, Yes. I'm I'm yes. thinking of him because it's dangerous out there. Well, and then you've got the painter, the 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 boat coming in. Yes, I mean one of my when I first came to Washington County, I I one uh, on this A frame we had a a, a fr- the, the uh, local lobsterman became a close friend and he would take us out on his boat and. Uh, uh, that was a wonderful experience. Uh, now, when I paint, wa- painting those paintings you were just talking about, going out and coming home, uh, I, uh, they are very much late paintings because I have fa- tried to find, uh, bring it to as uh, abstract as I can without losing the the image. And I think that uh, for me, I feel those. Two particular paintings were successful for me. Mm. I felt I, I, I had achieved that there. Mm. Mm. So co- contact information, Carl, for um, interest, people interested in the book and then um, uh, further um, the, the, uh, the Courthouse Gallery? Right. They should go to the Courthouse Gallery. and They have a, a very robust website with uh, videos and catalog of Bill's new work. And uh, the show is up through... It's, I think it's August 17th. August 17th. August 17th, right. Bill, I wonder if you could um, tell us a little bit about the afterward. Um, well, and maybe uh, read a piece of that if you if you ha- have time to read that. Read this, yeah. So, well, just that I had a poster of George Brack hanging my wall in French, in French, and I didn't know what it meant until someone uh, translated it for me. And what he said was, as one grows older, art and life become one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, I felt uh, was a wonderful statement. Great, great. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, we've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks so much to our guests in the studio, Bill Irvin, painter from Brooklyn, Maine, originally from Scotland, um, and Carl Little, a writer uh, based in Soamesville, Maine, and his book is called William Irvin, the painter, A Painter's Journey, published by Marshall Wilkes in Ellsworth. 
Thanks again to our underwriters. Thanks to those of you who listened and called. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is your host, Ron Beard, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from the 